very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to this very special edition on 9-11, 15 years later, you know what to do by now if you want to listen to the entire interview. Go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. Stop waiting. Get the truth. And if you want to get in touch with me, have a guest suggestion, want to be on this radio program, or have feedback, I always love to hear from you. Click on the contact button of our website. According to the mainstream media, quote, 15 years ago this September 11, 19 terrorists using four jetliners as guided missiles killed 2,977 people and enveloped the country in fear. It was the first sustained attack on American soil since the bombing of Pearl Harbor, which was a far-off military base. This massacre hit the center of our government and blasted away part of our most iconic skyline. It left the stench that New Yorkers could smell weeks later as remains continued to be recovered from the ashes. American taxpayers have spent $1 trillion since 9-11 on DHS and on terror-related work at other agencies. But Americans are still not safe from terrorist attacks, which is like declaring that a healthcare system doesn't work because people still get sick and die." Unquote. Many people have requested a new forensic investigation on 9-11. The problem is, an investigation has already been conducted by tonight's special guest. And you can find out for yourself by reading her seminal book titled, Where Did the Towers Go? Dr. Judy Wood has been on this program so many times that I don't think a formal introduction is necessary. You know who she is and what her credentials are. We have her comprehensive bio right on our website. And after a few years of absence on this radio program, I'm happy to welcome Dr. Judy Wood back to Veritas on this 15-year anniversary of 9-11. Hello, Dr. Wood, and welcome back to Veritas. Hello, thanks. Always a pleasure to have you back. We haven't had you on for a few years just because I haven't seen any, any changes in the way people think about an 11. You would think that more and more people would wake up to the fact that the towers were gone that day. Tell me, in 15 well, years, have you seen... Go ahead. Yeah, I'm not talking about uh, you know. I, I act like I'm a one-trick pony. I it is it isn't about 
that's not the issue. It's it's not like uh, well then we have this this you know um, the Tour de France over here you know like something totally separate. What what I am looking at is why we're in the sta- in, in the situation we're in. It isn't uh, you know I've, you know moved on well beyond what happened because what happened is clear. It was clear from day one, but why didn't people see it? That's the problem. And uh, you know the truth is known and is knowable about 9/11, but why don't people want to know it? That's the title of our interview tonight. The truth has been known and it's still knowable. When you say it's still knowable, that implies that people have it at their disposal. I remember the X-Files, always the truth is out there. I want to believe. I don't, in my case, I say I don't want to believe, I want to know. But if it's still knowable, why don't people take the time to research the truth? They don't want to know it. It's uh, and uh, there's a movie I asked you to watch before tonight, before this this interview. Yes. Uh, about Lance Armstrong. Now, and why the why the parallels between 9/11 and let's discuss oh, that. Let's dissect it's, all it's of amazing. this. It's amazing, and actually, it's gone on for about as long too. Um, <clears throat> that uh, you know that the truth was known and was knowable about Lance Armstrong. You know, the uh, bike racer won the Tour de France seven times, and, it, you know, it did great wonders for those who organized the Tour de France. It made it quite popular. Let's let's watch Lance Armstrong race again. The Peloton all benefited from it. The UCI, that's the international uh, governing body for cycling, benefited from it. The sponsors benefited from it. USA Cycling benefited from it. The press benefited from it. Our own government benefited from it, our reputation. Lance, right. Lance Armstrong's uh, Cancer Institute, whatever it's called, Live Strong, uh, that benefited from it. The more he won, the more donations they got. So who wants to mess with that? Because it's really, really making money. People are pocketing lots of money. The media is a tool at the time. The media is a tool today when it comes to the reality of 9-11 as well. They're going to keep repeating the same stories and perhaps there's some until it's popular to uh do something else and it became popular to do something else but can we um, can we really equate the alarms armstrong story to 9 yes. 11 yes there's even a key tam case in, in, involved in it um in the Lars armstrong case oh oh yeah really tell and, us about and that they, and they, they didn't dismiss it they decided to hear that well um uh floyd landis who uh, he got uh, trashed pretty heavily yeah. and kicked to the curb because uh, right after Armstrong uh, finished, you know, and retired in, in was it 2005, um, that that uh, now it was Floyd Landis's turn to win, except he didn't have the uh, cover that Armstrong did, so they exposed he got hung for um, uh, doping. You know, Armstrong knew how to control the, the dope situation and the test, the, the testers and all that, and nobody would dare turn him in. But so they, you know, Landis did the exact same thing the next year and they hung him out to dry. And then when he came back and wanted to be back on their team, uh, you know, they kicked him to the curb. Uh, when, when Armstrong decided to come out of retirement and all, they, they were, you know, stepped on him. Um, Why so, at that time? Uh, Why did they take until that time for, for to step on him, literally? 
Oh, he he had a two-year suspension. He he served that, and then when Armstrong in 2009 uh, came back from retirement, he, he had this this uh, new team together, and uh, Landis wanted to join it, and they wouldn't let him on because yeah, he's a he's a, a, a doper. He has that reputation publicly. So persona non grata now. Yeah, yeah. So he he uh, was kind of fed up with that, and he decided to start talking. <laughs> It was 2010 he filed the, the Ketam case. The reason why that applies, in my case, uh, it was, you know, I, I sued the contractors of the NIST report for science fraud because they committed science fraud. It's a fraud with our U.S. taxpayer money. You can't sue a government agency, but you can sue the contractors of the government agency for defrauding taxpayers. And the uh, contractors of the NIST report, some in particular are more guilty than others, they uh, like developers and manufacturers of energy weapons. Okay, so they 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 recognize the technology, and then um, uh, they have a contract with the government to know everything about any weapon of mass destruction that exists or is being developed anywhere. So they not only know what technology it is, they know whose technology it is. Do you and think? So, do you think that in the future? Because I'm thinking after watching the the documentary yesterday, watching Oprah interview uh, Lawrence Armstrong on the, what is it, Jan January 17th, 2013, I believe it was. Do you think that time will come just like he admitted to every question? Did you use this drug, that drug, that drug? Several of them. Did you have drug transfusion? I mean, the blood transfusion? Yes, 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 all of them. Do you think that there will be a time in the future, almost like if somebody came and admitted what happened to Kennedy, really, that we'll see Somebody come and tell the truth about what happened on that. Yeah, but it won't it won't matter anymore. But it, it's, of course, well, we know what we know what happened. You know, and, and that's uh, maybe they. You know, I, I'm thinking that it probably won't be uh, that open ever because uh, it, it's still useful the way it is. Uh, Armstrong wasn't. Um, there's a, a difference there. Useful in what sense? In perpetuating wars? Oh, in using the uh, technology? What? How? Yeah, using it and keeping it away from the public. See, it isn't about um, you know who did it on 9/11. That's that's not important. Okay, that guy pushed the button. Let's let's go hang him. All right, they go hang him. Well, then they get the next guy in line to push the button. <laughs> yeah, it, the technology exists is the thing. We've had not many people after having you on the show for years who keep writing to me. Apparently, it's a little bit confusing to them. Equate the technology used that day to destroy or to uh, dustify the towers and free energy. Can you take some time and really explain what you mean when you say free energy? Right. But but first, uh, you know, talking about getting rid of the person who pushed the button sure. doesn't keep it from happening again right. because the technology exists. That's the key. A lot of folks uh, say that, uh, you know, it's it's um, it's so important to find out who did it so we can go get them. Well, then what? Then you have somebody else push the button next year. You know the the the, material, the equipment and technology still exist. What is important and what is vital for the the crew, to, the, you know the the crew in charge to cover up is this technology, and what it can do. So that's why what it can do is so much more important than who pushed the button or what the name of the gizmo is. You know what it can do. It, it, if people know what it can do, that'll be the safest for this technology to to, to be kept. Okay, what it can do, well, if you look at what happened on 9-11, you had uh, 
buildings that mostly turn to dust in midair. So therefore, you know, technology that can mostly turn a building into dust in midair must exist. And what else does it do? You know, cars appearing to go into spontaneous combustion blocks away. You know, that's weird, but without burning paper. And a whole lot of other strange things. Uh, and th so you have this technology. It's kind of like um, August 6, 1945. You can say, wow, that's evidence. Japan, you mean? Nagasaki, Hiroshima? Yeah. Hiroshima. That's that's evidence of nuclear power plants. That's not saying nuclear power plants destroyed Hiroshima. That's and that, that, that's been proven technology. to be the case. I mean that those cities are thriving. There's no radiation measured there. Do you think it was a no, nuclear that, weapon, or was it, or no, was it a firebomb? You're getting off on a different topic. What I'm talking about is what what happened to Hiroshima on August 6, 1945 was the demonstration of a technology that can do that. I see what you mean. And that technology doesn't have to be used for evil purposes. It can be used for nuclear power plants. So the evidence of what happened on uh, to Hiroshima is also evidence of nuclear power plants. That does not mean that nuclear power plants destroyed Hiroshima. Basically, you're saying that it's, a, it's like a knife. You can use it to cut an apple. You can use it to kill people. Right. So the evidence of what happened on 9-11 is evidence of a technology, that a particular technology exists. But that, that technology doesn't need to be used to dustify buildings. It can be used for free energy. Now, when you, when you want to begin dissecting that, if you could explain that, because I've tried to explain it to people and I want to hear it from the horse's mouth, with all due respect. But The explanation as to the free energy Oh, I, I just gave it to you. I just gave it to you. That if you look at what happened on 9-11, somebody has in, in their hands the ability to alter the molecular structure of matter. Right. That, it, that's not just, uh, oh, a firecracker energy-wise. That's getting, um, you know, the very basic building blocks of our planet. To alter it, that's an amazing technology that can be used to, you know, plug an extension cord into it and power a whole city. I mean that figuratively. So that's why I'm saying free energy. It's, uh, you know, clean, relatively clean, relatively limitless uh, energy. But there's, what I see the problem with that is it's kind of like uh, the idea of the Earth being like um, a hologram. You don't want to go wiggling the extension cord and, and messing with it. Oops. Because if it's that powerful of a technology, it could easily dustify the entire planet or, or something like that. You know, you, you could cause major problems. <coughs> but on a small scale, now how do you keep people from using it on a large scale is another issue. But somebody already is. So that's not a, um, something to be afraid of for the future. It's something that's already happened. Speculating for a moment, do you think the name Tesla is anywhere on this technology? Oh yeah, it's a, it's a it's a something that occurs naturally around us if you open your eyes and observe. That uh, you know, what are tornadoes? And do you I think was just thinking of a tornado. Yes. 
And somebody didn't weaponize a tornado? Don't you think that, you know, we know that Applied Research Associates uh, has. They, they brag about it on their website. They have patents that can do that? Uh, why, why patent it? Just, just have the technology that does it. Yeah, because nobody else will do it. And keep it secret, you know, right. or whatever. Uh, and so, if, but the idea is to think of what happened, the evidence of what happened. That is undeniable evidence that a technology that can do that must exist. That's the important key. And all the gobbledygook around 9-11 is to distract people away from realizing that. I'm not a scientist like you, but I go back to Hurricane Aaron that was stationed there for days. Do you think that some of the energy from that hurricane was tapped into? To use Not necessarily. This? Not necessarily. No. Uh, who knows? You know, it, 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 some of the energy, it, it could be produced uh, the field effects. The field effects, like stack, static, know. statically charged? Right. Well, you know, we know what John Hutchison does. I right. call that parallel evidence and how he creates the, the same um, type of evidence as what we saw in 9 11. He creates a static field and within that interferes various radio frequency signals. But th we're talking about, you know, details of of things rather than, you know, why is this kept covered up? Well, it's vital to keep it covered up. This is, as Andrew Johnson says, this is the big one. This is everything. It's, um, you know, and, and as I say, he who controls the energy controls the people. But he who controls their perception controls everything. Repeat that just for the listeners one more time because that's beautiful. He who controls the energy controls the people, but he who controls their perception controls everything. So when we think of perception, can we ascribe meaning to the mainstream media as to those who give us, who, who really or, shape or our perception? Al or, al or alternative media or whatever groupthink organization you have. Like, and the easiest way to control people is to have organizations that people become members of, and then they they fear being banned if they don't memorize the talking points of the organization. Sound familiar? Cultish. It's all about it's all about uh, conforming and con having conformity. And if you keep reestablishing this conformity, you can change the, the whole world. But it has nothing to do with proving one thing or another. Let's talk about uh, you know the, the the thing of climate change. Yeah. Yeah, if you're if you don't get on board with that, uh, you're you're banned from whatever. You know, it's a talking point. You're just supposed to memorize, regurgitate. You're a terrorist if you think that climate change is not real. Right. Hasn't the planet right. been changing anyway for thousands of years? It's always changing. Well, you know, we had an ice age. Was it? Uh, you know, the too many SUVs that brought us out of the ice age. <laughs> right. And actually, in the 70s, we had, uh, you know, they were talking about, oh, we're going to an ice age. You know, it, it, weather changes every day, <laughs> you know, various things that, that happen with it. And there's something that easily, easily explains. It doesn't mean it's proof, but it easily could explain uh, the issue. You know how uh, uh, the summer solstice, from there to about now in August, It's mighty hot. Right. Real hot. And that day, if you look at the history on the, in the calendar, the maximum uh, temperature, uh, you know, for all, all time that 
temperatures have been recorded. And you look at that, and it, it abruptly begins right about then. And then look until right about now in August, or, or actually a week or so earlier, um, like in this area, it's over 100 right about the summer solstice until now, the, the maximum temperature. And, uh, you know, you know, this drops down, you have a few days in the 90s and more in there. I'm talking about the, you know, the record temperatures. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's that picky about, about, um, you know, how, what supposedly controls the, the, the climate or the temperature is the Earth's tilt as it goes around the sun and spins, and it gets to the certain point of maximum exposure to the sun and maximum heating, and, uh, and then it starts going into the, the cooling. Um, now imagine if you were able to change the tilt of the Earth just uh, uh, 0.000001 degree, just the slightest amount. Don't you think that would affect, uh, you know, the hottest day of the year? You know, and you, you would change that span to a little bit more or a little bit less. So you're saying that the Earth has tilted? Well, we have proof of it. Or, or not proof of it, we have uh, testimony of that. Remember uh, the uh, Sumatra earthquake? Yes. Boxing Day? They claimed that the Earth was knocked off its axis slightly. And also the, um, the Category 9 or whatever earthquake, I guess they call it a Richter scale reading 9, in um, Japan. The same thing. They, they talked about the Earth being you know nudged on its axis or off its axis. When you say they... Who are who's they? Oh, what what? Whoever's publishing these results? Uh huh. Okay. Now, do you believe but, everything that those well, people who no, say that? No, no. Okay. But I'm saying let's let's use what they you know let's say uh, uh, Noah or whoever it is uh, is publishing it. Right. It's the same outfit that's that's complaining about climate change. Right. And so it's the same outfit saying both those things and like wait a minute, if you're changing the axis of the earth is a slight bit that can easily account for that temperature change in the climate so whether one is true or not they're contradicting it's themselves bingo bingo and then you know you think about um old dinosaurs or or uh, ice age or whatever and i, I kind of wonder if the same thing was going on then and that's why the climate changed here and there it doesn't prove it it's just that's an explanation that hasn't been explored <laughs> But when you get the same outfit, you know, saying these contradictory things, you know, yo. <laughs> but would it be safe, and not to mix this with anything else, but would you would it be safe to say, from your perspective, and I'm always amazed because you, your eyes see things that I cannot see. Your scientific mind is trying to do things that I cannot. And that's why, you know, sometimes you have to bring me back. But would it be safe to say that there's so much of our history that is hidden? or changed from our perception? There's, there's stories we are told. There's an, uh, one of my favorite contradictions in the stories we're told, I'm not saying if it's right or wrong, because we weren't around then that we remember, uh, that in uh, the year, I think it was 600 B.C., was, is when you know our history books say that uh, static electricity was discovered. And then the same history book, they're telling us it took another 2,400 more years to discover electricity. But the same thing could be said about the toilet. Right, right. Things get undiscovered according to our history books. But, uh, you know, it's hard to to backpedal on that. But it's just, 
various people, I guess, want to come forth with a particular story and they promote it or who knows what those reasons are. But, um, you know, when I find the, the statements within the same, from the same outfit, you know, then I go, okay, they, they've just, you know, voided their uh, authority <coughs> without, without even questioning it. Like, was the, was electricity discovered and undiscovered? And if it got undiscovered, well, it's just like, I, I think it's about to get undiscovered in, in our future, in our lifetime. <laughs> but, okay, let's, let's go part by, this is getting interesting here. But I think of uh, nuclear fission, for example. We think of nuclear power plants, nuclear weapons. I think of Enrico Fermi, who was the physicist who discovered the potential of nuclear fission in 1934. Yet, we had the sun in front of us for millennia. Isn't mm -hmm. the sun a nuclear power yeah. plant? Did he yeah. discover it, or did he know how to apply it? Yeah, and, and know more of the uh, workings of it. Exactly. Uh, there's uh, a lot of things, and I'm surprised he didn't get uh, trashed, but maybe somebody before him, you know, a couple hundred years before him, you know, was ahead of his time and got trashed for that, like Copernicus. You know, it was a uh, hundred years after his death or something that his book became more more uh, important to, to folks. Uh, there's, you know, and, and why peer pressure really controls, you know, this mob mentality and public perception. So what have we learned from all this to observe for yourself and, and truly, you know, strive to to observe honestly and openly and, and unbiasedly yourself, not, you know, say, oh, yeah, OK, I can confirm what somebody told me. Because that may have been a card trick or you know, something like that, and that you end up repeating it. Not a card trick, but something else. And they lead you down this road of, of biased observation <coughs> that you think is not biased. Um, but here's another example. Um, let's say a guy is blindfolded or has his eyes closed, voluntarily has his eyes closed, and you tell him that the light's on. He goes, no, it isn't. It's dark in here. And you open your eyes. And you can see the light's on. Is not. Is too. Is not. Is too. That's the kind of culture we are developing because people have lost the ability to observe. They have an agenda. You know, the guy wants to believe the lights are out, so he's keeping his eyes closed. And he doesn't know how to, you know, take in a different observation. But take another one. Take, for example, uh, who invented, not, not invented, uh, who discovered, according to, to what we think, electricity. Who do we ascribe it to? Benjamin Franklin's. He basically only mm -hmm. established the connection between lightning and electricity. But if we've had lightning f since the dawn of time, yeah, it why has... didn't somebody noticed it before? Exactly. You haven't, seen, you haven't seen anybody get struck by lightning before, <laughs> right? There's some other interesting things. Uh, you talk about uh, what happened to the towers. Uh, similar things. What about the walls of Jericho? And I understand that some guy had a box of something he he was moving around at the time. <laughs> There's, you know, what what's the burning bush? Well, hold on. Let's go to the, the, the walls of Jericho. Some okay. kind of technology must have been used back then too, right? Yep. Yep. What do you and think remember, it was? Remember this technology, well, I'm not going to be guessing. I just know okay. that there's a story and, 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 you know, the story has questions to it. But um, there's, you know, the, we know that it exists in nature with tornadoes. And why is it that folks accept that, you know, tornadoes exist, but then they don't care what the mechanics of it are? I remember it, back, it, Katrina, I think <laughs> it was, or some other, and we discussed it years ago. We saw the, the actual, the imagery showing the heat in front of a certain hurricane 
and he was almost following it. So do you think we have the technology to maneuver where a hurricane goes? Um, well, what you know, I don't go into blank guessing, but what I do go into is, uh, you know, let's look at um, Hurricane Aaron on 9-11. For four days, it's making a beeline straight towards Manhattan. Uh, it's like, what, six or eight million people live there? Mm-hmm. How do you evacuate that in one hour? And and uh, other things like... <laughs> but hold on, still to this day, you tell people, I mentioned this to people, that there was a hurricane station there, stationary there, and there was no warning to the people in Manhattan. There, and people no don't believe uh, me. People don't believe me. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, even uh, Geraldo didn't know about it. He was celebrating 40 years of reporting about hurricanes. I have, in the people, middle, he, I have people who say, I live in Manhattan... And I should have, I would have known. You don't live in Manhattan, so this is just BS. You didn't know. You didn't look to the uh, the east. Well, heck, there's this uh, flight attendant who contacted me after the he found the um, the hurricane picture on my website. It's like, whoa, that's the first time he ever saw that. He took off that morning, about an hour before the fateful flight, just under an hour before the the other flight. And he saw those people in the office, you know, before he left. He was flying to San Francisco. The plane takes off to the north and then eases over to westward and off it goes. There was no discussion of a hurricane right there. It was raining on Long Island. I mean, on um, Cape Cod. And it was right off the tip of Long Island, the outer bands. And, of course, as we know about birds and other things, you know, and people with arthritis sometimes say they can feel the weather changing. But birds especially know when a big storm system is coming, and they know to head for cover. So there's a, a, a like electrical field ahead of the storm cloud that was there's um, thunder recorded at all the three major airports around Manhattan that day, LaGuardia, JFK, and Newark airports. So there was it was you know able to be sensed at that location, <clears throat> but that isn't uh, so important as uh, people were not aware of it. Why? Didn't they want, you know, Hurricane Rita, maybe it's going to hit Houston. We don't know. It's going across the, the Gulf. The it's, it's aiming towards Houston. Okay, there's voluntary evacuation. As it gets closer, it might make it mandatory, you know, just in case. But if you want a head start, like if you're on a life support system or whatever, that, that you can't afford to go without power or whatnot, you have an oxygen system or something, um, you might want to get a head start and you know, get, get out of town. Um, there's that type of warning. But what do we have around the coast of Houston? We have plenty of oil platforms, don't we? Yeah. So but you you have you know they they do something uh, in in uh, preparation probably you know button things down cap things off I don't know what they do but but uh, definitely for Hurricane Rita there was a, a voluntary evacuation before it became mandatory so just to give some people a head start so why didn't we have that? For Hurricane Aaron, aimed straight towards Manhattan, because if 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 they're wrong, they're in heap of trouble because you can't get that many people off the island. Well, and I guess the, about, I guess the, the the issue was they needed as many people in that island during 9/11. They didn't want people to leave a day before. Well, that's that's speculation. We're just looking about facts. If if the you know they have the choice, they have they see the storm system coming. That's a fact. Uh, if it 
if it doesn't turn, they say they think it's going to turn away, but if it doesn't, uh, it's not so much the the wind that's going to be the problem. It's going to be the storm surge, and Manhattan's just about at sea level. JFK Airport's at sea level. All that stuff would have been flooded out. If the, even if the hurricane just stayed where it was a couple hours longer. Well, okay, I, 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 I know you don't deal with the spe- speculation here, but the way this hurricane behaved, how it moved up there, how it stayed there. Uh, it, it's, I don't, I don't want to speculate, but we don't need to. We don't need to. The fact that, you know, how could they be 100% sure that thing was not going to make landfall or be a problem? How could they be 100% sure? Did they, can they predict the path of hurricanes no, perfectly? No, no. That's, that's what it comes down to. So my question my if they can't predict it that carefully, that means they didn't need to predict it. They knew. I guess my question is, if we look at the know? evidence, and that hurricane was placed there, let's pretend that it was placed there. We don't know that with 100% accuracy, but if it was, and we have the technology to manipulate where they go, then there's really no reason why hurricanes should be causing so many billions of dollars in losses to Florida. I was oh, in the middle of Florida. Okay. When it happens, yeah, New Orleans. It's not, even, it's not even. We don't even go that far about steering it. If they could predict Aaron's, uh, you know, whatever Aaron was doing, not controlling it, but let's say they could predict it to know it wasn't going to be a problem, why can't they predict the path of other hurricanes? That's right. And, uh, so it, it's it's nice when you don't have to do any speculating and you can just look at you know particular questions, but it, it brings up. Uh, to me, pretty good evidence that uh, you know they uh, at least know how to completely, 100% be sure of where the path of that hurricane is going. So why don't they know the path of other hurricanes? <laughs> well, that's but, my point. Uh, if we know, if we could predict where they go, then that's one thing. But if they are able to steer it, then why do they choose certain places to allow it to hit? Take uh, Katrina, for example. Who's benefiting from this? Is it the the exodus well, of people? They, yeah, we don't need to to go into that. I mean, just look at instead look at what actually happened. But you know, hurricane. I knew that, that Katrina was going to be a problem. You know how I knew that a couple of days beforehand. How? I, I was worried about another nine eleven happening, and I I was worried about a nuke plant getting hit or something. And then when they were worried about the levees failing, bingo, we're good. No no nuke event. You know, because that was going to be the event. Um, because, so, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Are you saying that just like they used to say, Osama bin Laden is planning attack on the United States, and boom, 9-11 happens. Then they're talking yeah, about the levees probably, possibly breaking, and then well, this see, happened. Well, see, the evidence is a year before that, they had uh, three Category 4 or 5 hurricanes that went right through there, and they weren't at all worried about levees going. Yeah. And so why are they worried about now? As I like to think they uh, or often think is that they tell you what they're going to do before they do it so they don't leave your interpretation up to chance they, that's again perception control if you're worried about the levees going and then they go you're going to believe it's because of and uh, I, I would joke with my students about about the uh, levees saying you know what, what caused them to go those four levees it was the pancake effect once the first one went, it was inevitable the rest would go. That, that's a joke. When the first one goes, why are the rest going to go? Because you've relieved the pressure. <laughs> well, for example, I'm, I'm looking at some of the the fallacies of, of Katrina, and I don't mean to deviate too you much. Know, but, but think about it with the, with the levees. Once you, you break, breach the levee in one place, 
that you're letting the water out of the tank. So you have less water pressure elsewhere. Why isn't it broken yet over there? Yeah, but some of these levees, the water was not even half, and they they were breached. Yeah, Yeah, we don't know. We we can only speculate how it happened and all, but uh, it was only a Category 1 when it hit land, when it made landfall. That's right. Um, and yeah, it's it, instead. I think it's more instructive to look at the patterns afterwards. And I, the something I told you about before this, before we began talking tonight, that I come to see about nine eleven. Are you there? I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Um, that uh, you know, I, I wait for the evidence to come to me. I don't force it to say one thing or the other. And there's one thing that really hit me. Uh, I guess it was a year ago. This is not the. All- this is not the why, because I like to leave that for segment two, right? Oh, okay. We'll we'll wait on that. Yeah, let's okay. wait on that because th- this is a, a pinnacle of things that we're going to discuss, and this is something that I've always wondered if you one day were going to come out and and talk about. It. So I'll leave that yeah. for later. But do you think that in the 15 years of that have transpired since 9 what do you think people's perception? How has it evolved or changed oh, since they, then? They don't want it. They don't want the truth uh, coming out. Um, and and uh, going back to the parallel with the Lance Armstrong thing, I don't know if we uh, we didn't finish that one. No. Uh, um, the uh, you know uh, as um, the host said on uh, that movie, there was a train and it was dripping with gravy. <laughs> Yeah, gravy train. And everybody wanted to, yep. to mop up whatever they could mop up. Everyone in the Peloton benefited. Tour de France, uh, you know, operators benefited. UCI did, uh, all the sponsors, USA Cycling. Oh, yeah. Bush. And uh, the press and Lance Armstrong's Cancer Institute. Who would want the truth to come out? Now, let's go to 9-11. Um, we have, you know... Uh, professors at universities who, um, you know, answer a call for proposals to uh, pay a graduate student, whatever, to develop a fly and spy machine. Think of all that, uh, the uh, technology at airports for scanning people. Are those professors going to speak up and say, um, is there's a problem with the story of 9-11? Uh-uh. Same reason why the sponsors of, of uh, Lance Armstrong, you know, didn't have a problem with what he was doing. They are all benefiting. And the more people that you get to benefit, you know, Homeland Security and you get, you know, this outfit and that outfit, those who could do something about it, the professors at colleges and universities, uh, won't speak about it because they, they're on the, the gravy train. Okay, you're opening another door, and I'd like to explore this for a second. You mentioned, uh, what is it? What was his organization, the Lance Live? What is it? Uh, Livestrong. Livestrong, Live exactly. I see the yellow ribbons, the pink ribbons, the, you name it, whatever color ribbons all the time. If, That's for example, another bandwagon. <laughs> well, let's, let's pick on cancer for a moment because I say this all the time. If somebody were to come up with the cure for cancer, because these people are always collecting money saying exactly. that we're, we're trying to cure cancer. But this is like a hydra that grows, grows, grows. Managers, and I've, I've said this a million times, I audited the Muscular Dystrophy Association when I moved to Arizona. And what I found 
first of all, they didn't want to disclose it to me. But since it's a public, it's a it's a nonprofit organization. I was they were forced to give it to me. I found this is in the mid nineteen nineties. Several dozens of managers making each one of them over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in bonuses. And I used to think, as a child, I was sent to the streets during Memorial Day weekend. Uh, or Labor Day weekend, rather, with the telephone, the Jerry Lewis telephone. Remember that? I was mm-hmm. on the streets. Remember, call- the, remember, remember the uh, Walk for Mankind and, and March of Dimes? And all that of- stuff. All that stuff. But, but let's speak on cancer for a moment. These people, do you think that those behind the scenes making hundreds of thousands of dollars on administrative fees and maybe allocating a little bit on research, the rest goes to marketing and management, do you think they really want the cure for cancer? And the same thing could it be applied to to Lance Armstrong and to any yep. other nonprofit. Yep. There was a train and it was dripping with gravy. I think that's the best quote of all. That's by uh, David Walsh, it's, you know, that reporter. Yeah, there was a train and it was dripping with gravy. Who wants to get, get off of that? <clears throat> so when it comes to 9-11, where's the gravy going to? Uh, there's, if you want 9-11 covered up, it, it's self-covering after a certain, you know, after the first whatever amount of time. People are used to it and they, they feel like they know what happened. You know, the airplanes hit buildings and whatever. And then they move on. They don't want to upset that because they've moved on with their life. They're on the gravy train. You know, like professors and whatnot getting grants and, and stuff for their uh, students. And other people look to um, universities to come up with the answer. But for those few people that slipped through the cracks, you know, do you think those who planned 9-11 didn't think, that, you know, there'd be people asking questions? Ah, you you, you uh, make a, a collection bin to put them in. And then you build it and they will come. You know, AE 9 truth. <clears throat> And what does AE 911 Truth do? Nothing but recite the talking points they're issued. If they deviate from that, they're banned. And so they're all on this bandwagon and controlling. You know, this isn't to badmouth the group or anything. This is just what happens. Let's look at the mechanics so we can avoid falling into these traps in the future. If you get lots of people in this group and they're all reinforcing each other, if somebody isn't, uh, doing it, then you, ch- you check them out the door so that they don't infect the rest of the group and get people thinking. And they just keep reciting the same talking points over and over again. It's been almost 10 years, and what has Gage's group done? Nothing. It's I know a holding so, tank. I, I know so many people who listen to this program and to you who have gone to that forum, and some of them are engineers. I know yeah, one of them. They, they think that this is an engineer group because that name's in the in the label. Right. So and, I know so, one of them who's a Boeing engineer, and he joined, and he said, "Hey, why is it that we can't discuss the work of Dr. Judy Wood here?" Boom, ejected, ejected immediately before he infects the rest of the group. Before That's he gets right. other people thinking. Yeah. But if you get this group think going and this group um, consensus, you can control most anything. Think of that. With regard to everything, and hold on to that from now on for the rest of your life. If you, if they want uh, somebody to control this country, it's going to be presented in such a way as a gravy train. If you not aren't, aren't on the gravy train, then uh, you're you're uh, the opposition, and it's very easy to control groups. 
You can't control an individual very easily, but you can control a group, so you bring people into a group. Of course, because yeah. the group mind is easier to control. Yeah, why do so many people believe that they have to you know, put poison in their body for cancer? You know, why do they have this belief that they have to kill themselves with this, that, and the other? Because that's what the group think is. Well, I'm glad you're saying that, Dr. Wood, because I discuss this all the time. I mean, when it comes to chemotherapy, poison, radiation, surgery, everybody, you know, I've had this conversation with so many people who ask me, oh, so-and-so has cancer. Yeah, you know, it's preliminary. We see what we can do. All of a sudden, you know, they lo lose their hair, they lose their weight. Oh, it's getting better. It's getting better. And invariably, and they're most, throwing up. And, they're yeah. throwing up. They're, they're, they're just aging. And they die. Like, well, doctors did what they could. You know, but we're going to go the traditional way. We don't want to listen to all these crackpots out there who say, yep. who have discovered cancer. Yeah, the cure. And, and, right. And, and it's, it's very good at controlling groupthink. Um, and that's, you know, again, he who controls the energy, controls people, but he who controls their perception controls everything. And it's all about perception management. Do you, uh, do you feel... And I say this with the utmost respect. I don't mean this as a derogatory. I'm just illustrating something. You probably have seen this image of a herd of sheep and the sheep herder. They're all white sheep. And there's the black sheep who's saying, hey, he's the one who's keeping the door closed. Let's come with me. Let's open the door and get the hell out of here. And everybody says, ah, you're just a conspiracy theorist. Do you ever feel like that? Um, about the others. Yeah. I know that I'm not a conspiracy theorist because, uh, conspiracy is, you know, something illegal that's planned, even two or more people plan to do something illegal. And I'm not talking about any who. So wasn't 9-11 you know, a conspiracy by that definition? Uh, but I'm not talking about who. I'm talking about the fact that here's what happened in the building. Here's what, what happened to things. Um, if you you're looking at the physical stuff, you you uh, avoid the pitfalls of uh, being sort of agenda driven and saying it, you know somebody must have done it, it must have been a, you know a conspiracy, and then you're you're off you know on witch hunts rather than looking at what happened. That's why I say it's so good to not speculate, um, but but to look at let the evidence speak to you. It's so important to um, you know, look at what did happen rather than what you want to have happened. How much of all of this, and I hate to sound judgmental here, is laziness? And I'm, I'm saying this, for example, years after 9-11, there was a newspaper that came up with the uh, an image of what looked to be an explosion outside of the Pentagon. And it said, yep, folks, here it is. Here's the plane crashing. So most people who received that newspaper in the morning saw it. And said, oh, that's it. Is it? Let's go back to sleep. How many people just see it in the news and they just don't question and they just move on? Uh, most. And you kind of have to do it to, you know, if your time is short and you're you're on the gravy train of the world. You know, you, you got to go to work, be there by 8 o'clock and you have this to worry about where your kids are getting dropped off at school. And people are so busy that they don't have time to think. And so they're assuming somebody else has done the thinking for them. And maybe that was the case in the 60s on the TV set, you know, to some extent. You, you could trust what was in the newspaper better. But it's been uh, weaponized now, and the media has. And it should be pretty obvious to just about anybody now that the, the media is, is just, it's like um, the National Enquirer was. <clears throat> 
But let's take you know, take the. I'm sorry. Finish what you're saying. Um, but but you know, being able to understand for yourself what the difference is between evidence and spin. And and so many people like to you know what about this? What about and they pick 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 at you know a, a piece of data here that they have seen in a totally different context. So that piece of data over there they assume in another context rather than looking at what happened you know what's the overall uh the most general image and uh the biggest compliment i ever got from someone when they first saw my work they said you know if somebody you know knows what they're talking about they can get the most complicated issue and break it down into simple terms and that's what you've done you know, I said the building didn't burn up, nor it slammed the ground. Mostly turned to dust and midair. You know, that isn't theorizing about uh, all sorts of stuff. Here's another you scenario know. for you, and I'd like to, to get your take on this. We've had Technique Caller since the 1930s. We've had, you know, uh, cartoons and you name it since the 1930s, I believe. We had the color TV, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the black and white TV that started when, late 40s, early 50s. And then by 1954, we had the color TV. Yet, when we went to the moon, even though they had a way to show us this in color, they showed it to us in black and white. And everybody who was on that subliminal to believe you see, it. That's, yeah, that's going for for uh, details. Like, what about this? What about it's it's still looking at details. My my uh, point is, those people who were watching believed that we were on the moon. Were you and I on the moon? No. How do we know precisely that we actually went to the moon? Well, I, I don't like the we because I didn't go. Um, well, you know but, what I mean. Yeah, I I can't say that man has never been on the moon. You know, you can't prove the negative. But what I can say is the story we were given has, has problems with it. And I saw that as a little kid in 69 when I saw it. What do you think? Well, hold it, hold it. That's so interesting, Dr. Wood, because oh, I, you had the same it, thing on 9-11. What did you think as a child when you watched I, that in 1969? Well, here, here they have this uh, story about um, this, you know, they, they fly to the moon, you know, a foreign planet they've never been to before. And here the, they have the mothership uh, uh, rotating around the planet. Well, these other guys go down and land. Okay. Now when it's time to leave, they know just how much to, to uh, gun the engine, to, to lift off, to rendezvous with the mothership. And it's the exact time and place and space. And that thing's flying how fast around the moon? You know, and this is a foreign planet. And they know precisely when to, to reconnect with it to get back on board, fly back to the Earth. And this, this, this is the part that gets me, to, you know, thinking simple-minded. Um, yet, uh, remember those, uh, when they're waiting for the splashdown? Here's the guy yep. out in the aircraft carrier with the binoculars looking and looking and looking and searching. They have search planes going back and forth. They didn't know within 500 miles where that thing was coming down through the clouds. Get that? They didn't know where it was coming down through the clouds. It was always a cloudy day. It, how is that possible? Don't we have radar to determine where the location was? Uh, oh, we have we have a radar blackout. But do you remember seeing that? I wonder if there's any videos still around. But that was a thing that I remembered so strikingly as a kid. I kept asking that, and then people said, "Well, you're just too dumb to understand. You'll understand when you grow up." But it, you know, wait a minute. Why don't they know within 500 miles on their own planet where that thing's going to land? Yet they knew precisely on that foreign planet and how to rendezvous with the mothership. 
<laughs> Did you know that they lost the? They, they, yeah, that still doesn't have any, you know, reasonable answer. But you know that they lost the all the telemetry, and they lost fourteen thousand reels. And the most so historic. So the story goes. Pardon? So the story. So the story goes. Well, no, yeah. no. This this has been confirmed by NASA. I've had people call NASA and say, "Is it true that telemetry has been gone and the reels have been uh, lost?" And the answer is yes. Well, we'll see. Did they exist to begin with? That's what I'm saying. So the story goes. Ah, uh, okay. That, that's what I'm saying. That's just that's that's just what you're told, so that you don't go looking for them, uh, you know, and, and and find out there isn't any or something. Or but, NASA saying we are building new suits to allow our astronauts to go through the Van Allen belt. And I'm thinking, yeah, that, didn't we do that before? So funny. Yeah, that, no, no, they didn't do that before. But what I find so funny is, uh, no, we did, we did do it before. That, we did do it before. Not, not suits to go through the belt. Oh, no, 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 no. We didn't have the suits, but we went right. through it without you, the suits. They didn't need them then. They didn't need them then. <laughs> and, uh, and now they're, you know, this Orion thing, it's like they're trying to, to do the space program, but they can't. They don't know how to solve the problems that need to have been solved. Uh, but there's uh, something else that came up um, that clued me in. Remember, China went to the sent something supposedly to the moon, yep. and they need a moon rover, and then so they used the uh, same design that the that the U.S. used on the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't that say that whatever scientists in China uh, know it was a hoax? <laughs> They're using the same technology. I think all these. Space agencies are in cahoots, and they're saying, right, I'm going right. to go, but, but, you're going to go. That's what, that, that's what that says to me, and what it was kind of telling me is maybe this is the handing over the baton. Okay, it's your t- turn to play that's leader. That's right. That's right. And they that, are. That, China's taking right. the baton from us in every way. Right, and that was uh, that's what I think that that was about the uh, China sending so- something to the moon, a uh, unmanned rover thing, but claiming they were using the same technology the U.S. used. Um, but the U.S. quote technology they used, um, how did they they uh, power the the rover? Batteries don't work in that kind of sunlight. They, they you know, <laughs> you know, the temperature range for for that would, would kill the thing. That's right. That's right. It, it, this is very. It, that's what told me that that China, uh, you know, had it, it, we're just saying that that we're on top of it. And uh, another, and why you know Russia is also in on it is uh, part of the joke, and it's a it's a facade to say there was a cold war, is because um, you know why isn't uh, Russia saying, "Ha ha, you idiots, you are suckers, you fell for that nonsense." No, Russia didn't do that. You know, in 1969. So we went from the Cold War to the boogeyman. What do you it's think? Always, it's always a, a facade. It's a game that's played. I think it's always been so, uh, sort of one world government. They want to make it more official now, so there's no place anyone can escape to. So you're saying and, that we've always had the one world government in a more covert way, and now it's going to be more overt? Uh, yeah, and there's nowhere you can escape to. Why do we need the military, then, unless they divide the world in four regions, for example? To, to uh, hunt people down. I mean, think about this, you know, what 9-11 has allowed to be developed in terms of technology. You know, the professors and their students developing this, this, this flying spy gizmos and all sorts of tracking and electronic. So there's been a tremendous amount of development in that. You can't do anything now without it being in some central system. 
somewhere. I, I see Have a time in the future. I don't know if you ever saw the series French, but they had this alternate world where they have these drones flying all over the place, just monitoring every single thing people are doing and saying and whatever. I oh, see yeah. a time in the future where that's going to be the case. We're very close to that. There's something uh, maybe I, I could explain to you off air that's uh, pretty scary that I was witness to. Well. That there's uh, plenty of uh, weirdness out there that is so easy to uh, control people and to, you know, turn them off or on. Or um, Okay, if you want to reprogram your computer. Well, hold on for a second because we have to break both segments into two. Can you mention a little bit of this on the way back? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let me say this before we take the break. You uh, said this, this to me. Go ahead. This was a little bit of the connection with what I was talking about all the stuff earlier about about the groupthink and uh, mind control. Okay. Let's dissect that on the all way right. back. But I want to say this. You, you wrote to me a few weeks ago and you said, oh, I don't think I've spoken with you since I realized the quote-unquote why of 9-11. There are yep. always multiple quote-unquote benefits. But this one yep. stands out strongly. And as you know, I don't force the data. I just see it when it emerges. With hindsight, yep. it has become quite clear. And this is something that, folks, you don't want to miss because I don't even know it. She hasn't even told me yet. So I'm looking forward to your response when we get back. How can people buy the book, Where Did the Towers Go? And learn more about your work, Dr. Judy Wood. Um, you can go to my website, wheredidthetowersgo.com, or go to... Uh, uh, Amazon and look up where the towers go. There's also a, a short movie that an engineer who saw my work, uh, who read my book, uh, made this video on, totally on his own. Uh, it's called, uh, well, if you go to tinyurl.com slash irrefutable TV, all one word. And it's this uh, little, uh, uh, I guess, half hour movie. There's different parts. He was going to add more. Um, chapters later, but it's it, yeah, it's irrefutable. The data is. It's an excellent, excellent video, and I recognize my voice in that video too. By the mm -hmm. way, <laughs> anyways, folks, don't go anywhere. More with Dr. Judy Wood on this 15th anniversary of 9/11. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important Veritas interview. If you enjoyed it and wish to listen to the rest, go to VeritasRadio.com, click on Members, or subscribe. Or tell someone else who will enjoy this and all our radio programs. If you are listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, where you can purchase pure organic sulfur and much more. Now, we'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and I'll see you in the Veritas member section. Enjoy. 